prepare to be inspired by some of the most successful athletes on the planet. This is Athlete on Fire, your daily source of amazing stories that will ignite your pursuit of excellence and inspire you to be and do amazing things. Here's your host, Scott Jones. Hey, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I'm Scott Jones, your host. Thanks so much for joining us, wherever you might be in the world. Uh, I have uh, a running coach who has a running story to tell about his life, and it's going to be really interesting. I've He's a local here in Colorado, and I'm, I'm going to dive into his philosophy on running, how he got into it, what kind of runner he is uh, himself, and uh, just tell his whole story. I, I love when we have locals. And when I first started, I actually used to go try and meet up with the locals and, and make it happen, and it's just still, technology is so much easier than, than real life a lot of times. So we're going to be recording here here in a few minutes. If you've never been here before, Athlete on Fire is all about bridging the gap between amazing athletes and the rest of the world, and uh, a lot of it's just from telling entertaining and inspiring stories, and a lot of it's from legitimate resources, uh, and I think today's going to be a good mix of both. Uh, I want to tell you guys about a project I'm, I'm working on really quick before we go into this, because it is... It's very apropos for our guest today because I know that he's training for something we'll talk about today. Uh, but it's called Becoming Ultra. And we're taking two runners here in Colorado who have never run more than a half marathon. And we are going to take Ian Sharman, who is an amazing ultra runner, and Michelle Yates. And they're both coaches as well. And they're coaching these, these runners up uh, to a 50K this July in Aspen, Colorado. And we have an amazing videographer who's going to be filming the whole thing. So you can check that out at becomingultra.com. All right, let's introduce our guest. This is Jason Fitzgerald. He founded strengthrunning.com, which is an amazing site. It's so it's so clean and resourceful, and uh, I love it. As somebody who has a background in exercise science, I can go on there and get some good ideas every once in a while, and, and I appreciate the time he's put into it. So, Jason, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We're, uh, we're both sitting here in Colorado, probably about, I don't know, 20 miles away from each other. So I'm assuming you have the same amazing blue sky that I do today. Yep, I don't see one cloud. <laughs> of course, we, anybody who lives here knows like you can't brag too much about this weather because people who aren't from here think it's a blizzard in the middle of winter all all season long, and it's really it's just sunshine all the time. It's, it's a great place. So uh, to get started, how long have you been out here? How long have you been in Colorado? Actually, not very long. So I moved to Colorado in July of 2014. So I haven't even been here a year as of the uh, recording of the show today. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to be a Colorado local. I know that yeah, we're pretty close to one another, about 20 miles or so. Uh, and I hope to kind of meet you in person very soon. Yeah, we will. We'll make that happen. And um, so you're down by Wash Park or City Park? Yeah, I'm in, I'm near City Park in uh, in the city of Denver. Okay, so for you know, there's people listening all over the world. So paint a picture a little bit. What what's it like living downtown? City Park is a beautiful park. You know, there's there's four or five really good parks in Denver that everybody knows about. So, so paint a picture. Yeah, the the running in the city of Denver is actually pretty good. Um, I, I think when people think about running in Colorado, they think of single track trails in the mountains at 14,000 feet, uh, but not all of Colorado is like that. So most of my running is actually here in the city of Denver. Uh, and you're right, the, there's a great park system in Denver. Uh, city Park is one of the larger parks, uh, and then there's also Wash Park and Cheeseman Park. And I'd say most of my running is uh, around these three parks. There's 
crushed gravel trails, which is really nice to get off the concrete sidewalks and the roads. Uh, and, you know, you can do a lot of, uh, of good running and great workouts there because a lot of those trails are marked. Uh, so it's been really great for me. And, of course, uh, it took a little while to get used to the mile-high altitude, but uh, I think it adjusted pretty well. How long did it take you? I, I, I always tell people told, it took me about four to six months to get totally to where I could push, like, good anaerobic effort, anaerobic effort. That's a good, good question, and I'm not sure I have a great answer for you. I think um, when I first moved here, I wasn't running a lot, so I don't think I, I, I noticed it too much. Uh, but when my mileage increased and I started doing more challenging workouts, uh, I noticed that uh, some of my paces were about 10 to 15 seconds slower than they were at sea level. And then, of course, uh, I think my recovery is a little bit slower here. So after a long run or a hard workout, it does seem to take me an extra day to feel back to normal before I can do something challenging again. But uh, for the most part, when I first moved here, I didn't really notice. Yeah, cool. The, the one thing that I noticed when I, when I first got to, to Colorado is I'd go play basketball or go for a run. And I would, you know, back east, I would look at my shirt and it'd be drenched, you know, like wearing a gray shirt, it'd be dark gray and light gray. And out here, I would play, I'd go play ball for like two hours. And I'd look down and there's no sweat anywhere. I was like, what? And that, it was the weirdest thing. But you can get you can get tricked into to some hydration issues out here if if you if you don't pay attention. Um, yeah, do you have any stories about that for yourself. Right, I have noticed that. Uh, I think it's because you know it's so dry here that uh, you are sweating a lot, but it evaporates so quickly off your skin. And anyone from the East Coast doesn't think it's hot out unless they're completely soaking wet. Uh, <laughs> and so when you're out west, you really have to stay on top of your hydration even more. Uh, because you're not getting that that signal from uh, any perspiration on your body. So, yeah, I've had some challenging long runs where I haven't taken any water and I've been out for more than two hours, and, and all of a sudden I'm just hitting the wall and the fatigue mounts, and all of a sudden I'm feeling terrible, and I realize it's because I'm quite dehydrated. So, yeah, I, I need to stay on top of hydration, and I think anyone who... Uh, comes out here needs to adjust to the fact that you're not really going to feel like you're sweating, even though you really are. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a really weird sensation. So, okay, so I want, we're going to dive into your story a little bit, and and the, <clears throat> there's it's a soft format, but there are goals, and, and the first goal is just to get to know where you're coming from. So we call it athlete defined. Uh, so why don't you take us back a little bit? Okay, you're you're 15 years old. It's a Saturday in the middle of the summertime. Where are you in the world? What are you doing all day? Great question. So that's pretty much when I started running. Uh, it was uh, late August, early September, my freshman year uh, in high school. And um, I was never a runner. I actually shunned all of the, the running events during track and field week in middle school. Uh, I, you can imagine me as a 110-pound middle schooler doing the shot put because I didn't want to run the mile. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I really enjoyed um, the high jump for some weird reason, um, and I was encouraged to try out for the cross-country team by my mother, and she said it was like track. So I was like, okay, great, I'll go high jump. So I showed up for cross-country practice, um, the first day of practice my freshman year, and I realized very quickly that there were no field events in cross-country. It was just running, <laughs> and it was very much long-distance running, but you know, very fortunate for me. Uh, the team was a lot of fun, and I got along with the coach. He was a great guy. So I stuck with it. And, uh, you know, even just after a couple weeks, 
I fell in love with the sport, and I really liked the element of improving and getting out of it what you put into it. And so uh, I made the difficult decision that winter to uh, stop playing basketball uh, because I thought I was showing some uh, element of talent in, in with running. So I was like, all right, let's see how far I can go with this. And it also, of course, uh, helped that I pretty much stopped growing freshman year and everyone else kept growing. So at five foot seven, I don't think I had <laughs> Uh, a long career in basketball. You know, it's funny though. Like the the two sports do do cross pollinate a bit. Uh, you know, our coach, uh, our basketball coach in Florida, had all the players who did not play football or a fall sport um, running cross country. So they knew if you weren't playing something else, you had to be out there running because just building that good base. But can you remember? I mean, we're we're talking about a 15, 16 year old mind. But when you made that switch, because a lot of people had that same. That, that same experience where running is just not enjoyable, and then all of a sudden, it's this thing that you just can't get enough of. Do you remember when it was or why it was? Well, I think a lot of the uh, upperclassmen on the team uh, really helped me get into it. I think they, they set a great example with um, you know running fast and, and actually enjoying the process of training, and, and I think that was such a great example for me. So um, you know, I, I saw runners who were running 430 miles when I was a freshman in high school, and I thought that was awesome. Uh, I was nowhere near that. Uh, I was hoping to get there one day. Uh, and, I, and I think, you know, by the end of the cross-country season as a freshman, I had just ran under six minutes for the mile, and, you know, I thought it was so cool that I was running five you know, 50 or so for the mile. And then I started thinking, well, could I maybe break five minutes in the mile? And, you know, I think when you start thinking what's possible for you in running, that's when you start getting really excited about the sport. And so for me, that was when I, you know, said to myself, all right, let's see how fast I can get in the mile. And that was definitely my favorite event and what I focused on in track. Uh, and, you know, that's when I started falling in love with it. And, and I pretty much ran a three to four second PR in the mile every single meet my freshman year. And I ended up running, I think it was about 5.05 by the end of my freshman year. And, uh, you know, it wasn't quite sub five minutes, but it was it was fast enough for me to really light the fire underneath me. And uh, I got super excited about cross country. Uh, I just wanted to be the best runner that I could be. And I think... Uh, with a sport like basketball, you know, you're relying on the decisions of your coach. You're relying on your teammates to help you win the game. And I kind of liked the more individual aspects of running. I loved that no one else really impacted how uh, fast I would finish a race. It, it depended upon my training, and it depended upon how much I wanted to work and how much I wanted to push myself in the race. And so, you know, just relying on myself, I thought, was a really valuable way to um, get into the sport, and uh, I've been in love with it ever since. Cool. So uh, where were you? Where did you grow up? So I grew up outside of Boston in a town called Lexington. Oh, cool. So we don't spend too much time on this part, but I'm always interested. Like, what, what was your family structure? Like, where, where did your work ethic come from? Was there good modeling in front, front of you, um, parents, siblings? Just kind of tell us about that bit. Uh, good question. There actually wasn't, weren't, there weren't too many athletes in my family growing up, so I didn't really have, uh, you know, that kind of, um, uh, an influence, but, you know, everyone in my family was always talking about the value of hard work and, uh, you know, putting in the time to become good at something. So, uh, you know, I'm the oldest in my family, so I didn't have any older siblings, uh, to, to kind of look up to. Uh, but, you know, growing up, like I mentioned, I grew up playing basketball, and 
you know, I just loved it, and we had a basketball hoop outside my house. I was always playing every day after school, and I started getting into, um, you know, recreational leagues, travel leagues, finally tried playing for the school. Uh, that didn't work out. I was cut from the eighth grade. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Michael Jordan, maybe. Yeah, I know. Cut from the eighth grade varsity team, uh, and then, you know, then, you know, as a freshman, I transitioned over to running. But, uh, yeah, I guess the influence for me was really just my peers. Uh, you know, I looked around at people who were better at me in basketball, and I wanted to be more like them. And then when I started running, I saw uh, some of the upperclassmen who were quite talented, and they worked really hard at it. And, and I think that really rubbed off on me, and it made me value hard work and really want to see the improvement that I was hoping to see. Have you ever gone on a run with either of your parents in your life? No, no, that, I don't think that would happen. <laughs> Though I have run with my little sister, uh, and I've gone on plenty of runs with my wife, who's also a runner. Oh, cool. Now, you know, my dad was a power athlete. He played football in college. He's a big dude. He's like 6'4", 280. You know, he's, just, he's, a, he's a lineman. And, uh, I mean, I remember the exact day that I could beat him in the sprint when I was like 14, finally. You know, it's just like one of those things that hits in your head. But I'm always kind of interested um, – a lot of people do come from from running families, and, and a lot of people like yourself, you know, they just kind of figure it out on their own. So, um, all right, so we're going to go into the next segment. I, I love where we're starting right here. Uh, we're going to get more into where you went from high school because I think it, it sets everything up pretty well. Um, but we'll do that next segment. And before we start this segment, it's called Athlete on Fire. We're going to talk about the, the philosophy and, and some good resources for people. Do you have a challenge or a workout that you can give our listeners today? Yes, so uh, I'm sure we'll probably cover this soon, but a big piece of my running and coaching philosophy is um, uh, runner-specific strength and helping runners stay healthy, and a big part of that is strength workouts. And so I have a challenge for our listeners here to, to regularly do a core workout after they run, and not just any core workout. I have uh, a workout called the Standard Core Routine. Uh, this is a routine that if you do three sets of it, it'll take you about 25 minutes or so. Uh, so it's not necessarily a short routine, but it's very runner-specific. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a link to the routine. There's a video and a description of all the exercises. But, you know, it's very comprehensive, and it works all the different muscles that uh, a runner needs to focus on, the hips, the glutes, the lower back, and, of course, the abs. Uh, and it is really uh, runner-specific, and it helps runners prevent injuries. So if you can build up to three sets of this routine at a minute per exercise, then uh, I will almost guarantee that you're going to see fewer injuries and you're going to become a much stronger runner. Awesome. So we'll share that link in the show notes. And, and for, the, for the sake of specificity, for people who are listening and are like, man, I'd just like to know a little bit about it. So give me a good core exercise for, for your hips, one for your – for your uh, glutes and one for your abs. Okay, sure. So, uh, and I'll take all of these exercises from the standard core routine. So, cool. uh, we'll start with the hips. Uh, and and there's there's one exercise in particularly in this routine that uh, works the hips and the glutes too really well. And it's called the marching bridge. And uh, this is an exercise where you're uh, lying on your back and then you put your feet flat on the floor and in a thrusting motion you just lift your hips up. Uh, so that there's a straight line between your knees and your shoulders. And in this exercise, what you would do is lift your, um, so you would straighten one leg so that your knee is straight and all of your weight is being supported by one your other leg. Uh, and this requires a lot of hip stability. Um, it focuses a lot on glute strength. And, uh, you know, for runners 
Today, in particular, I think it's very valuable for injury prevention, not just because these muscles are important for runners, but just because of the sad reality that most of us spend most of our days sitting down. So, um, <laughs> you know, we get, uh, you know, weak glutes and tight hips and tight hip flexors, and so this is a great exercise to combat that. Awesome. Uh, and then for... For the abs, uh, you know, a really good way to work the abs is with an exercise called the, a modified bicycle. And uh, so you would lie on your back with uh, one leg uh, lifted about an inch off the ground, uh, and it's extended straight in front of you. And then the other leg is uh, lifted up in front of you, so your thigh is perpendicular to the ground, but your lower leg is parallel to the ground, so your knee is bent. And then you would hold that position for about two or three seconds, and then you would switch so that you're doing the opposite with the other leg. Uh, and this is an exercise that focuses on the abs in general, but also more specifically the lower abs. And so it's really helpful for that uh, lower abdominal control. Nice. Yeah, and so, uh, so while we're doing these, um, the modified bicycle, just really focus on keeping lower back on the, on the ground through the transition, I'm, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, when you were... I, 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 you know, you do, you do a lot of online stuff, but lower abs, your, your transverse abdominals, which are your, your lower abs that help with a lot of your, your hip alignment and, and general alignment in, in your lower core, goodness gracious, people's lower abs are so weak. And, and a lot of it's from what we're doing right now, the sitting. I mean, you're stagnant through your core pretty much when you're sitting in a normal chair. And, uh, and then you go out and you put a huge hard effort on the track or on the trail or on, uh, in the neighborhood and all this stuff starts breaking down. All, all of your secondary muscles are just crying because there's no support. And uh, these exercises that Jason are giving, is giving you are definitely going to help a lot of that. Um, did you have any injuries of your own that, that kind of got you into to what you're doing right now, teaching people how to be stronger and, and, and more fit for running? Oh, did I ever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I had pretty much every injury in the book. The only injuries that I haven't had are uh, runner's knee or any kind of patella issues. But uh, So, you know, knock on wood there. But pretty much every other injury I've had. And uh, after high school, I had plantar fasciitis and Achilles tendinopathy, uh, IT band syndrome. Uh, so my training was always very much interrupted by injuries. And I, it seems like I could never get a three to six month period of time of consistent running underneath me. And, uh, you know, I really think my performance has suffered. Uh, the amount that I was able to run really suffered. Uh, and it wasn't until I kind of figured out how to train more consistently without injuries that I was able to, to really see what I was capable of as a runner. Uh, and, and since then, I've run more than ever. I've set multiple annual mileage records for myself. Um, you know, I improved my marathon time by over five minutes, and, and I didn't bonk, which is always great. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. so it's been really great. You know, since 2009, I've only had one injury, and it wasn't nearly as severe as, as a lot of the other injuries that I've had that required weeks off or, or even months off. Um, so, yeah, I would say the most significant injury that I had was in 2008. I ran the New York City Marathon, and afterward, I got IT band syndrome so bad that I couldn't run for about six months. Mm. And so it was during that time that I, I really thought to myself, something needs to change. I really need to uh, figure out how to train more effectively. I need to really prioritize injury prevention and make sure that uh, I'm not dealing with you know, a, a season-ending injury every couple months. Because I like to call consistency with your running the secret sauce to su su successful training. Yeah. And so, 
you know, if you can stay healthy, then you're going to be able to run a lot more consistently. You're going to be able to train more, and you're going to be able to run a lot faster. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely no uh, stranger to injuries, and I'm just really excited that I've finally figured out what what really works to prevent them and yeah. uh, to enable consistent running. Yeah, you, you know, consistent, boring exercises go a long way. <laughs> like doing a doing a hip flexor set and and doing all a lot of the core stuff for runners who just love to just be out and moving and feeling the wind. It's really tough, but if you want to continually feel that wind in your face and push yourself, you've got to do these preventative things that are going to eventually lead to performance. And that's something that I always preach about is prevention leading to performance, and it's true. And it sucks being hurt, and uh, it's not like. I think a lot of people who haven't had these chronic injuries that we're talking about, that Jason's talking about, um, they don't really understand how debilitating and frustrating it is. It's better to go break your arm, put a cast on it, and have six weeks to when you know you're going to be able to use your arm again. When you have IT band syndrome or runner's knee or Achilles tendonitis or plantar fasciitis, any of, the, any of these ailments that, that a lot of runners deal with, you have no idea if you're going to be able to run in two weeks, two months, four months. So the, the programming that that you're doing over at strength running is trying to ensure that you just always have a base no matter when and how you're going to train, which is really cool. Which kind of brings me to this. When, when did you start um, strength running? Uh, I know it's been around for, for a little bit. It, it's a great site, like I said in the intro, but kind of tell us the story of that site. Yeah, sure. So I started strength running in early 2010, uh, and this was after that severe IT band injury that I mentioned, uh, and and I really thought that I had something to share with the world, um, you know, through my injuries and, and what I learned uh, with the, the rehabilitation process, I knew that there was a better way that runners could train so that they could uh, run more and ultimately race faster. So uh, after about a year of building up my fitness level and getting back into running and, and seeing all the positive benefits of kind of this new way of training that I was doing, uh, I felt like I needed to, to share this with the world. So I started strength running in early 2010, uh, and it's grown tremendously since then. I think it's just fantastic. Um, you know, I'm really glad to be able to do what I love every day, which is talk running and uh, be able to help runners achieve whatever their goals might be. Okay, and that's a good, that's a good segue for a couple questions I have on philosophy, okay? So th this would be a good, a good question. Can any... Can anybody who wants to run, run a sub-five-minute mile? Uh, I will have to say no to that. There are some people who aren't built uh, to be very, very fast runners. Uh, of course, you know, you can, you can look at a lot of the football linebackers uh, and, and tell that they're not built for endurance. So they're probably not going to be someone who can run under five minutes in the mile. And, of course, it's, it's very, very difficult. You probably have to be an elite runner as a female to run under five minutes in the mile or very close to a pro runner. Um, but for guys, you know, it is very challenging. Uh, I think to be able to run under five minutes in the mile, you have to start as a kid. Um, and, and I'm not saying an eight-year-old or something like that. But you need to really uh, have a very good foundation of fitness. Uh, and I think when... Kids, you know, play or, you know, get into sports at a young age, um, but their, their, quote, training isn't very specific. It's just general, and they're focusing on uh, general fitness and athleticism. And then they transition more to uh, race-specific type of training, maybe in high school. Those are the people that have the best chances of breaking five minutes in the mile. Uh, but, I, you know, admittedly, I don't think everyone could do it. Yeah. So <clears throat> can, every, can anyone complete a marathon? 
I think anyone can complete a marathon. Uh, I think that's definitely within the realm of possibility. Uh, maybe not within six months or a year, but definitely within maybe about two years, I think it's possible. Uh, d- d- very much depends on your uh, general fitness level, how comfortable you are with running, uh, how healthy that you can stay. Of course, you know any new runner who's going to attempt a marathon must prioritize injury prevention because you know training for a marathon is very difficult. Um, and of course, that's just the training. Then the race itself is even more difficult. Uh, but you know if you can stay healthy and you can gradually and progressively train more effectively over the course of about a year and a half or two years, then I think anyone can do it. I mean, come on, if Oprah can do it, most of us can do it, right? <laughs> Dog on Oprah. <laughs> right. So, so there, there's there's a huge there's a huge gap there, but it's, it's a cool gap because it speaks to why running is is so prevalent and such a broad activity for people. And you have people like Jeff Galloway who teach the walk-run method. You have people like Hal Higdon who's been around forever who puts out mileage um, for people to try when they get started. And then you have people like you that's really focusing on strength. I mean, all all of these different things, I think as a runner, you have to know your body and, and how it's how it's reacted to, to exercise and stress in the past. But the cool thing is um, you have that five-minute mile mark that I kind of brought up just kind of for fun, which speaks to a performance, a, a, a performance level, and then you have a marathon, which really speaks a little bit more to effort to be able to finish uh, a marathon, and anybody can put out an effort if they train correctly, and that, that's what's cool, and, and, um, and some, of that, some of the athletes that I've interviewed on here, one of the old-timers, like Jeff Galloway, I, I believe, to, told me that the, the big, the big um, and interesting thing about running a marathon is you can toe the line at Boston or at the New York Marathon or any of these big marathons and be 100 yards behind the best runners in the world running on the same course. You're not going to run the same times, obviously, but you can't do that at you know, Bush Stadium. You can't get out and, and go take batting practice with Albert Pujols or you know, throw the ball around with Peyton Manning. They're so inaccessible, but this sport is so inclusive. It's, it's such a cool thing. So um, That's one of the things I really love about the sport personally. Right, and I'll definitely add to that and say, you know, there's really no other sport or or very, very few sports where you can be treated like a professional athlete. I think anyone who has finished a major marathon and is 200 yards from the finish line and they are, you know, running their heart out towards that finish line and there are thousands and thousands of people cheering for them and, you know, you can look up at the crowd and wave your arms and they'll cheer even louder. There's no <laughs> other opportunity in the world to be treated like that. And if you're a basketball player, you're never going to get that. You're never going to be playing in a packed stadium with thousands of people cheering you on. But no. you can with running. Uh, and, and it's just really special. Yeah, it's really cool. Oh, and, and, yeah, if you guys go to a marathon, if you've never been to a marathon, even as a spectator, go go at, like, the five-hour mark for the last hour and a half and just watch the people finishing late. You'll see every age, every body type. It's a really cool experience. Um, okay, so let's, let's get into a few tactile um, take-action type things here, okay? Um, let's say we have – I'm going to have to be really specific because there's so many levels of runners. I'm, I'm – um, so if you're listening, just take this as a general advice from Jason here. So let's say we have a runner who's who's run a few 5Ks. Um, they could probably do a 10K, but running the whole thing at their fastest pace would probably be really challenging for them. They're not comfortable at that distance. To really push at a 5K is not comfortable for anybody, but um, this person that I'm talking about uh, really hasn't felt like they can just push. They're, they're kind of scared to, to put the gas down, you know what I mean? Um, 
so let's talk about that runner who wants to take it to the next level on the shorter distances, but they want to take it to the next level on shorter distances so they can go try a half marathon or a full marathon. Um, what would be like three things, uh, mentalities or physical things that they can do to ensure that they're going to get to the next level and, and feel more like a, a competitive runner? Great question. So the first thing that I would I would look at uh, first and foremost, we can start with like mentality. Uh, and as long as this runner knows that they'll be able to eventually race a 10k or even race a half marathon at a hard effort, uh, I think that's the most important thing. Yes, you you will be able to get there, uh, and it may not be a month or two; it may be six months or a year, but. There's no reason to think that you won't be able to progress to a level where you can't run a 10K or a half marathon. So believing that it's possible, I think, is the number one thing. Uh, and then, of course, there's the training components to it. So if a runner can race a 5K and push themselves for 3.1 miles, but they struggle to do that in a 10K, the first thing that I would look at is uh, the distance of their long run. So you know, if your long run is four or five miles and you're training for a, a 10 kilometer race, which of course is 6.2 miles, of course you're going to have trouble pushing that distance because you've never even run it easy, never mind run it at a hard pace. So I think one of the first things that I would do with this runner is gradually over the course of a few weeks start bringing their long run up in distance so that uh, they can comfortably finish a 10K distance at an easy pace uh, and then we'll move towards you know running 7 miles, 8 miles, 9 miles at an easy pace so that you know, the distance isn't challenging. And once you can comfortably run a distance, then you can work on racing a distance and you can focus a little bit more on speed. Uh, the other thing that I would look at, um, and, and especially because this sounds like a more beginner type of runner, and, and I think beginner runners are most limited by their endurance or their aerobic capacity. Uh, and they can surprisingly get a lot faster by not even really training faster, by simply focusing a little bit more on endurance training. So the other thing that I would look at is their total weekly mileage. And a lot of runners who are um, you know, either just getting started or they haven't been running for a long time and are just doing 5Ks, you know, what I've found is that their weekly mileage tends to be somewhere in the 10 to 20 mile per week range. And you're going to see so much uh, fitness benefits by starting to, to inch that total mileage up uh, a little bit per week. Uh, and, of course, you're not increasing every single week, uh, and you're going to have some rest built in there, of course. But just by increasing your mileage, you're going to see a lot more fitness benefits. Uh, so you don't necessarily need to be on the track doing grueling workouts and these crazy intervals that are going to leave you, you know, vomiting in lane one. We don't always <laughs> need to be doing those things, especially as new runners. I think new runners need to focus their effort mostly on either end of that running spectrum. So really easy running and then really uh, hard running, but for very short periods of time. So um, whether that's strides or hill sprints or something like that that gets them comfortable with running fast, but maybe that's only for a few seconds. Uh, and then you can kind of gradually start doing more race-specific workouts. But, you know, that'll probably, you know, be months and months down the road once we work on mileage and injury prevention and kind of building that foundation. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, without getting into the exercise physiology at a high level, um, the, the 5K is a great example of a purely aerobic race. It's, it's 97 to 99% aerobic, which, which all this base work that Jason's talking about is going to lend to that, that energy system that you use for 5K. So to give a little perspective, the elite runners of the world, 
Um, the fastest 5Kers in the world are running 80 to 120, and, and some of those guys are running way more than that mileage uh, per week just to improve their aerobic systems. Uh, yeah, so, th so the whole point was that base building is going to help you run a 5K just by increasing your mileage a bit every week, just as it does for the elites. So um, pretty interesting stuff. So I think we've given a lot of good, good information for people to kind of just pique their interest a little bit. They can go learn more at strengthrunning.com. Uh, where you have tons of resources, just a really cool site. Let's go. To the the last segment is a little bit about a little bit more about you, Jason. And uh, we started a little bit to talk about your journey as a runner. So, when you finished high school, did you did you go on the run collegiately? I did. Yeah. I, by the time high school was over, I was a full fledged running geek, and uh, I knew that it was something that I wanted to do in college. So uh, I went to Connecticut College in New London, Connecticut, and ran four years of cross-country indoor and outdoor track for them, uh, and that was probably one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, I met my, I met my wife there. She was a runner, too. I met some of my best friends uh, on the, the cross-country and track teams, and they're some of the best friendships that I have today. So, um, yeah, definitely went on to run collegiately, and then even after college, I, I never really stopped. Uh, I graduated in 2006, and kept running, ran the 2008 New York City Marathon, and uh, a lot of races since then. Nice. Okay, so um, what is a good a good book as a resource for for any listeners that want to go learn more about about running or just the inspiring part of it all? Yeah. So I, you know, like I like I just said, I'm such a running geek. Uh, I love the training side of of running, and I and I think that's. You know, it's what I focus on at strength running and what I really like to, um, you know, to, to, to read and to research. So I would definitely have to recommend Run Faster by Brad Hudson and Matt Fitzgerald. Uh, I think it's one of the best training books that uh, has come out in the last 10 years or so. Uh, there's definitely some other ones. I'm not saying all the other ones are garbage or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I think Run Faster, which I actually have right here in front of me, uh, definitely one of my favorites. And I think it really covers the fundamentals of training for distance runners uh, in a way that is not only approachable and accessible, but uh, in a way that a beginner could could take and, and use for their, for their own training, and then also a very advanced runner. Um, so, you know, it's something that I would use, uh, and I think it's also something a beginner runner can use, and I, and I think it's really fantastic. Any relation to Matt? No relation to Matt. I have met him uh, for coffee once here in uh, up in Boulder, Colorado, and he's a great guy. But uh, no, no relation. Other books and other. He he's been on the show a couple of times, and uh, one of my favorite shows I've ever done was with Matt and his dad. It was during Father's Day last year. And oh, I thought wow. it'd be cool to get you know get get some dads of the athletes on and, and kind of mess around a little bit. But that was a blast. Um, okay, so. I know people are thinking, okay, this guy's a running coach, but how good of a runner is he really? So let's go down through your PRs. I'm sure you have them memorized like every detail-oriented runner I've ever met does, but do you know your PRs? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so I've run a 4.33 mile. Um, I've run a 9.04 three-kilometer, which would be roughly a 9.45 two-mile. Um, 16.02 in the 5K, I've run 10 miles in 54.50, uh, 2.39.32 in the marathon, uh, and I guess 1.13.38 in the half marathon. Nice. So I, I would call myself a competitive runner, but uh, nowhere near elite or even sub-elite, really. Um, you know, it always frustrates me when 
you know, I'll be talking to, you know, <laughs> Runner's World or something, and they'll print something, and they'll be like, an elite marathon or Jason Fitzgerald. I'm like, no, I'm not an elite runner. Because then all the people think that you said that probably, and it's like... Yes, exactly. And then, you know, then you start getting hate emails from people like, look at this guy, he thinks he's a pro. <laughs> but no, I, I, I am well aware of my, my capabilities. I will say that a 1602 5K uh, made me lose my lunch that I haven't even eaten yet, so appreciate that. That's good. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So do you, what's your thoughts on legacy? Do you, do you care about it? Do you, do you think that you're leaving a legacy by doing this stuff? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I think it's important. I mean, you know, one of the, the main goals with strength running is just to help runners improve their training and accomplish their goals. So, uh, you know, I, I feel very fortunate that I am positively impacting a lot of runners. You know, it seems like every day I get an email or two from someone who has used a, a custom training plan that I've written for them or, or one of my coaching programs and they've run faster than ever or they've stayed healthy for an entire year when previously they couldn't go three or four months without an injury. So that's very rewarding to me. And, you know, I just hope that, you know, decades down the road, um, you know, there's a lot of runners who uh, have become better runners um, through my coaching material. Awesome, man. All right. So we have about two and a half minutes left. Not, not that there's a too hard of a hard stop here, but uh, I'm about to go talk over to the Becoming Ultra crew on uh, a hangout as well and kind of see how they're doing. The co- I'm talking to Ian and his student, which is uh, pre- it's going to be fun. Um, but you told me something when we were kind of emailing back and forth to get this organized that you are about to run your first ultra. Is that your first? It is my first. Um, so, you know, I have a healthy dose of uh, fear uh, within <laughs> me, <laughs> which I think is normal. But, yes, so the end of May... Uh, of 2015, I'll be running my first 50-kilometer ultramarathon, which is here in Colorado. Uh, it's in Golden Gate State Park, so it's uh, definitely very mountainous, and the the altitude ranges from about 7,500 to 9,500 feet. So uh, I might be a little crazy, but that's the first ultra that I chose. And I'll tell you what, like I, I'm give you, I'm not, I'm nowhere near the runner you are. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a recreational dude who has the science background. Um, but I will say, for a, a, a generally a roadie going to trails and picking this as your first ultra, there's a junk load of elevation, ascent and descent in this race. So I will give you kudos on that. And, and for anybody listening, I actually invited Jason out. Me and my wife put on an event called Fear the Deer uh, Trail Half here in, in, in the front range of Denver. And it's, it's, a, it's a tough race, too. It's about 13 miles, 3,000-foot gain. And I'd like to. I'm gonna get the. I'm gonna bring the mic out and get your uh, your pre and post race take on this. I'm, I'm gonna kind of use you up a little bit. But do you, <laughs> do you have? Is there anything specifically you're doing to train for your ultra that you have not for your road races? Oh yeah. I mean, the training that I'm doing now is very different than even what I what I've done before for my marathons. Um, you know, I'm doing a lot of running out on more technical trails out in the mountains. So last weekend, uh, I wasn't on the race course itself, but I was up in Boulder, and I summited Green Mountain, and then I did some other running around that area. Um, and so I think it's really important to, you know, practice 
terrain-specific running when, you, when you're doing a trail race, uh, and especially with a trail race at altitude, I think it's really important to get up at a similar altitude so you know how it affects your body, you understand how you're going to feel when you're running at the pace that you're going to be running uh, out uh, on the race course. So, you know, uh, there's definitely less emphasis on speed work, uh, although, you know, I, there is a, a good amount of that in the, the program that I built for myself just because I want to make sure that, you know, the, the extra fitness gains you get from doing faster running uh, is still there. Uh, and I, I think there's a lot of efficiency gains and all that stuff. But, you know, for the most part, I'm just putting a lot of emphasis on a uh, specific long run and a, a medium long run during the week. Cool, cool. All right, so we're going to wrap up. I'm, I have one more specific question, but before we do that, Tell us where all we can find you on social. We're so, we're so connected now, and uh, if you want to take a second just to let us know, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. So, you know, my home base online is strengthrunning.com, but you can also find me on Twitter uh, at JasonFitz1. Unfortunately, Jason Fitzgerald was taken. <laughs> and uh, Strength Running, also, we also run a Facebook page, so you can see us at facebook.com slash strengthrunning. Awesome, Jason. So, in leaving... Uh, quotes are so powerful for athletes. We love quotes. We're all kind of nerds that way. Um, so do you, do you have a quote that you really like that you can leave people with? Yeah, I do. Uh, and this is actually a quote that isn't necessarily about running, but I think it's incredibly applicable to running. Uh, and this is one that I actually just found about a week ago, a week or so ago. And uh, it's from Thomas Edison. And I might be paraphrasing. There's a lot of variations of this online. But the quote is, Opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. And so I think that's just so applicable to running. Um, like I said before, you know, you get out of it what you put into it, and if you want to become a better runner, you can. You just have to put in the work. Awesome, man. And, and overalls can be uh, changed modern day to to a running bib. We'll just go with that. Yeah, or or split leg short shorts. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Don't get me started. Okay. We're, we're going off on a crazy dark road here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jason, man, I appreciate your time. I, I love your insight, and uh, I, I love that you're able to tell, tell your story in such a concise way that people are going to get a lot out of this. So thanks so much for coming on today. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure, and I had a lot of fun. Awesome. This is for everybody else. You're listening to Scott Jones of Athlete on Fire, and you're inspired by Jason Fitzgerald of StrengthRunning.com, who is absolutely an athlete on fire. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Athlete on Fire. Stay fired up with additional resources and information at athleteonfire.com.